Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JMEA. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you, as always. It's amazing uh, when you think back to our conversation last week. Everything was just developing, and all the news was uh, beginning to uh, leak out and somewhat uh, you know, be, be, become reliable as we were on the air discussing, and then subsequently, of course, uh, the murder of four of our brethren in the kosher supermarket in Paris. Start with the credit, because it took a lot of time to find out who actually took credit for the attack. Do we believe at this point that al-Qaeda, based in Yemen, are the ones who called for the uh, uh, the attack on the newspaper in Paris? Yes, it's, there's definite evidence, and especially given the fact that, as uh, we discussed last week, that uh, one of them at least was in Yemen, uh, that there were communications between them, that they um, uh, they certainly had the training, and of course, as I said last week, we would find a connection to a prison and imams, etc. And it turns out that they were in prison and recruited, likely there, at least initially. So uh, the that evidence seems to be apparent. It is not so apparent about the connection between the killer at the kosher grocery store right. and ISIS. It seems that that was his association, and he did have online contact, uh, meaning that he went to websites, but it doesn't appear that uh, he was actually sent, as it, as it does appear to be the case with uh, uh, al-Qaeda in Yemen, uh, being directly involved in giving the orders. And as you, I think, agreed with last week, that's simply a technicality. You could still, in terms of a ripple effect of ISIS, put this guy right there in the circle. Oh, right? Absolutely. And, right. And because it, many of our it, leaders it, hesitate it, to do so. Right. And, and whether this guy was, in fact, you know, uh, freelancing on his own, or right. he certainly had contact with these other guys, and his uh, girlfriend had, had contact with them, the uh, the fact that she was able to escape so quickly into uh, Syria and and probably left a couple of days in advance. The um, there are other evidence, but but remember what we've talked about. There are a thousand French guys fighting in Syria yeah. who are coming back. We saw the raids in Belgium this week, trying to break up IS related uh, cells. And they, they, uh, several people were killed in the raids in, in Brussels, but they were all over the country, uh, and it resulted they closed the Jewish schools. They did other things, but that, those were um, actually prophylactic measures. It wasn't because of a specific threat against them, uh, as was the case with the synagogue, the great synagogue in Paris, which for the first time since uh, the Vichy government, when, the, when Paris was under the Nazi control, uh, didn't have uh, davening on Shabbos this past Shabbos. Yeah. Uh, the Grand Mosque was open. The Great Synagogue was not. And it tells you what the difference is. No question. Um, the circle of accomplices, in other words, now, obviously, French authorities, and it goes beyond the French authorities, are, uh, there's a manhunt on, essentially. I mean, you mentioned the, the one accomplice who, who quote-unquote escaped, but, but there are others on that list now, right? There are radicals that are either in an ancillary manner or more direct manner associated with these murderers who are being sought out. Sure. There are at least six people that the French government has uh, identified, and we had a conference call yesterday with the Prime Minister of France, uh, Valls, uh, and the head of the Jewish community, Raja Kukerman, and uh, they indicated that they are going, uh, that they are still looking for these uh, 
other accomplices directly and indirectly involved. French intelligence. It seemed from some of the articles I read that it was a blunder. They didn't catch uh, the events leading up to this attack. You uh, you buy that or not? Look, we have had it, it, people are approaching this as if it's an event in isolation, when in fact, you remember the, we discussed the, the rape of the woman who, who was raped by a gang of Muslims, mm-hmm. saying that they wanted to to get a Jewish woman. Uh, the the going back to Toulouse, going back even further to Halimi, the killing of and torture of uh, the, the young 21-year-old man, right. the, the, and, the, and the scores and scores of incidents, and not scores, hundreds. Forty percent of the acts of, of, of violence are against Jews. But did French intelligence indicate afterwards that there was a direct threat against this magazine, or there's no reason to believe that? No, against the magazine, absolutely. There, must, there, there were previous uh, threats because of their depictions of uh, Muhammad in various cartoon forms. Uh, but the the um, but the, the the fact that the kosher grocery store on a Friday afternoon didn't have better security and there was a guard there I think uh, that the, the supermarket employed. But where where were the police? There are five thousand people now guarding institutions in Paris. But it's always after the fact. Well, if we're now going, how long they will sustain it? I understand that, but if you're going to extend this recommendation, then there are a lot of kosher groceries in a lot of neighborhoods in this country that should be very concerned about security as well. Wouldn't you agree? Not only that, I agree, but I mean, we created an organization, Scan the Secure Community Network, to to deal with that, to try and mobilize people. There's a lot that communities can do. There's a lot that people can do. Uh, cameras, guards. I mean, there are neighborhoods, and we have to think about these things. There are neighborhoods in this area that are filled with, uh, you know, kosher groceries and, you know, Jewishly identified stores. I mean, do each and every one of them need security guards, cameras, precautions? I think they have to talk to the to the police force. I think that they have to train their employees. I think people generally have to be much more aware. You know, see something, say something. It really is a serious uh, uh, program that we all have to internalize. People don't. And regardless of something that you may think is insignificant, really could be more significant. And as you said, there are uh, other populations potentially that could harbor a hostile person or where the propaganda, which is spreading, it's it's universally available now on the Internet. Mm not as as in the past. Sometimes it's hard to convince a a modest local grocery store that they're a target of terrorism. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. I I agree and I'm not saying that you can that right. they can afford to do it. I'm saying that there are that awareness, etc. but but there are institutions and I will tell you that I got uh, quite a few calls uh over the weekend from principals of schools in particular. And that is a very vulnerable area where steps can and should be taken. Right. We, we have people who will do training for, you know, loan sure. You know, the school in Connecticut saved many lives because the teachers were trained. And you don't have time if, God forbid, something happens. Right. And that was not a Jewish institution. It wasn't directed at, at anything Jewish. But the, the phenomenon is the same, that how do you deal with that kind of situation? And the answer is that if... You train people, then they re- react instinctively to know to put the kids in a closet, to go under the tables, to have the kids trained. It doesn't scare them if they if they go through this kind of an exercise if it's done, you know, with intelligence. 
We have kids in a variety of schools, as you know. And one of them sent an email uh, uh, this week after the attack. Sent an email. You know, that we are, we are now switching to this type of doorknob and this type of door, and this will be the new entry system. And the, you know, there's always more and more and more you could add to the whole security picture. Yes, but the fundamentals can be there, and the the and the fact is that this has to be uh, on a broader basis. Uh, we met with uh, Commissioner Bratton and NYPD, which is really out front, way ahead of everybody else, uh, I think, in the country on these issues, focusing on Jewish institutions as well as all others, uh, but recognizing the unique danger that, that could be uh, presented. Yeah, one of the articles... No evidence of it. There's no threat. There's mm. no... We don't want people to misread it, but, but the way you prevent it is, is by taking the necessary measures to deter. Yeah. You, you may not be able to to identify every potential terrorist or everybody who who has a gripe or wants to carry out a, a crazy attack about sports facilities. Uh, you know, the word from, from al-Qaeda in Iraq is that they're training them to go after transportation systems, iconic buildings, which has nothing to do with the Jewish community. Right. So it's a universal awareness, but you got to go after the source, which means that we have thousands, tens of thousands of people fighting in Syria who are being trained to be killers. You have them uh, on the internet. You have, and these guys were followed, but obviously they lost them, or they felt after a while that they, were, for some reason, whether resources or otherwise, that they stopped following them, and then that that would have prevented it as well. This past week in Paris seems to have uh, struck a nerve, obviously, uh, and uh, it seems like the war on terror. European style is now on. Do you think that this episode is in fact going to change the attitude of European countries and other countries toward what's happening with the, with terror episodes and with the uh, the rise of radical Islam in their countries? The history, particularly of France but of others, is that they react immediately. It's public opinion and the public demands it and, and is looking for reaction and Sometimes the reaction can be, you know, support for Le Pen or other extremists in, in uh, and anti-immigration movements, etc. Some is for call for more police action, for stronger legislation and laws and law enforcement. But the problem is that the history of Europe is appeasement, that they, they try to buy them off. Then, And I can show you many examples in France from the 70s when they bought off the Palestinians to protect the, to stop the bombings of airplanes. To, to, through, throughout the, the, the decades since then of uh, repeated acts of, of uh, appeasement, and it may be what we're doing with Iran, too, that the West's attitude and refusal to stand up and knowing that Iran is behind much of the terrorism and, and uh, groups, not exclusively and not necessarily for each group, but there is somebody behind it. There's money, money coming from Qatar, Turkey support. Where have we taken a strong stand regarding Turkey's open support and... and uh, uh, having the, pro- the prosecute the uh, parliament hear calls for the destruction of Israel that Erdogan himself yesterday talked about Netanyahu being equal to the attackers there and, and then saying the mayor of Ankara uh, saying it was the Mossad behind it. Where, where's the reaction? How come we let these guys who are, are playing such a negative role vis-a-vis Syria, vis-a-vis the, the situation in the Middle East and, and expanding their, their caliphate uh, uh, goals, where have we been? The picture of, of Abbas being greeted by, the, by Erdogan in his $800 million new presidential palace. You know, this is a great defender of the people's $800 million. And they, they, they were greeted by guards from 16 
different eras of Turkish history, from the Mongols to the Ottoman Empire. I mean, the people said it looked like an Ottoman circus when, <laughs> when the pictures were, were taken of it. So, you know, we, we let them get away with it all the time. And, uh, and, and then they blamed, the, Erdogan blamed the French because they said they were in prison, in a French prison, and therefore, France is responsible because they didn't do anything with him there and, and deal with it. I was just shocked that when he compared uh, Bibi to the, to the terrorists and said that he was responsible for crimes against humanity, uh, just like the terrorists are, I was shocked that he uh, was accusing the terrorists who killed Jews of crimes against humanity. Uh, I thought he'd be more sympathetic toward them. Um, Remember also that France refused to put Hezbollah, was one of the countries in Europe, right. on, the, on the terrorism list. And if you recall, over Algeria, how they they followed a policy of appeasement, let alone in World War II. Well, they were worried about a backlash from their Muslim population, I assume. Well, or not necessarily. They were worried about the, the appeasement. That's exactly the, the policy. They, they, they refused to stand right. up, take the position, and that prevented uh, the G7. Yeah, I understand appeasement, but it's also politically motivated. I mean... Some, some of what we see now, uh, back in the 70s, the, the Muslim population wasn't 10% as it is today. And facing a presidential election, it is, of course, a factor. But, but look, even in Argentina now, the, dis the disclosures that the president and the uh, 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 Kirshner and Timmerman, the foreign minister, tried to erase Iran from, from the case uh, 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 on the bombing of Amia and the Israeli embassy. They, they tried to remove it and because they were going to get money for it. And the, the idea that Argentina, after all these years of investigation and all the evidence, and the Alberto Nissim, the prosecutor, uh, the federal prosecutor, issued this very lengthy report documenting the effort to do it. We keep you know, condescending to it. We keep compromising with it. We keep succumbing to it. And we are encouraging people, terrorists, to do more. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. Special welcome to those tuned in on the NSN app around the world. Got to talk about what happened on Sunday because so many people are curious what you have to say about each individual piece to this, uh, anti-terror unity rally that took place in Paris. First of all, the participation of Benjamin Netanyahu. There are those who are skeptical that he would not have gone if it was not an election year. Then there are those who did not quite like his behavior at the event itself. What's your take on Bibi's visit to Paris for the rally? Listen, in, in the silly season in Israel, every action uh, is criticized. I'm sure if he didn't go, he would have been criticized. You saw how President Obama has been criticized for the failure to have representation uh, others will say, well, Lieberman decided to go, and therefore he decided to go. Uh, I have asked about the invitation issue, which became a big issue, and the French officials told me that no invitations were extended. Um, and there were some who said that uh, um, Hollande, the president, didn't want Bibi because then he would have had to have Abbas, as was the case, and others. But the hypocrisy of the event, the fact that you had Abbas, uh, Qatar, um, Turkey, the very countries that are engaging in incitement, that are supporting, that are abetting these these activities, and the, these extremist groups, 
were marching in the demonstration against the very things that they <laughs> are responsible for and will not change and do not apologize for and, and turn this, I think, into a, a, an act of, of cynicism if, and hypocrisy. It's if comical. If they wanted to come, they should have been on their knees begging forgiveness for what they've done. It's comical. And, and, and I think that's one of the reasons that BB seemed uncomfortable there. He, he, he's in the, he, right there, right near him, are, are leaders of, of terror groups or but those, I, those who sponsor or endorse terror groups. Sorry, I, I think people have to remember that French Jews needed to see him. Look at what happened when he came into the synagogue. And, and frankly, Jews were not the reason for this demonstration. Right. The killing of Jews was not, if it had only been a massacre at the uh, kosher supermarket, you would not have had a march of three million people. That's it was the sure. killing of the journalists and justified, and it was a terrible, uh, terrible thing, and a Jew died there as well. But he didn't die as a Jew. He died because he was a cartoonist at this uh, publication. And the, the demonstration would have been called for in any event, but you would not have had it if it were only... So the presence of the prime minister in, in the one side, you know, emphasizes and gives a message to the Jews of, of uh, France who came out that they aren't alone, that, that they have a, a state. I think it's a mistake to, to link it to the cause. I think that would, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Um, but that message of, of kinship, of support, of, uh, of bonding with the French Jewish community at a time when they need it is important. And Abbas being there is just absurd. I mean, there's no other way to put it, right? I mean, he, he, no, I, I think obscene is closer. And he's not invited, as you just and and that's what I would think. There wouldn't be invitations to an event like this. It's essentially open to everybody. So he hops on the opportunity to go and act like the moderate that the whole world thinks he is. And, and, and you know, remember, he is a partner of Hamas. And the, you saw in Gaza this week that Hamas, uh, one of the former ministers who's organized um, uh, uh, the calls for the cell for attacks and is uh, engaging in behalf of Hamas, but Hamas is part of, of unity government. Attacks against Fatah, the 13 attacks against their homes and the senior officials' homes, against the, uh, the, uh, the French Cultural Center. He is a partner with them, and he continues to go to the ICC, and I'm sure we'll discuss it and all, all, all the, that process, when he should be in the docket at the ICC, and, <laughs> and hopefully uh, will be. Do we remember... The Quinell, the, the reverse uh, Nazi salute, right. and how the tolerance, even though it was denounced by the government, and, and Dudien was cr- roundly criticized. He's the com- so-called comedian who, who, who invented, but is, is blatantly anti-Semitic and hated. And then, by the way, just look at what came out this week about Britain. Forty-five percent of the Jews say they have no long-term prospects for them there. Fifty-eight percent said none in all of Europe. Yeah, but if you, if you took the same poll in America, you know, the, the, the nationalistic Jews would also be at 50 percent. And it, not anywhere near it. Uh, I, I, 45 yeah. percent of all the Jews, kind of particular branch of Jews, it's a, sent, it's a message of the sentiment of their uh, uh, psychological uh, comfort, of their security. Well, why security. should they feel any comfort or security? I mean, there's no, there would be no reason for it at this point. Or... There's no reason for any, I mean, any Jew in any country in Europe at this point should not feel any comfort or security. And that, that's right. So I'm saying it's not limited. It's a, it's a general climate that is running through all of the countries because of the failures of governments to act, because right. of the demographic realities, because of the inability and maybe even if willingness, the inability to, to be able to address all, all right. of these. Uh, all right, so let's play this game for a minute. If you asked American jury across the board the same question, what number do you think would come up? 
about how many think there's a future no future in America. Yeah, correct. Uh, less than ten percent. Wow. I got to add that thing to to my next presentation about uh, making Aliyah to Israel. Uh, the Obama thing is such an unbelievable topic. I myself, who is not who have who has not always been the most supportive of the President of the United States in terms of his policies, was I was divided about whether he really should have gone or not. I think the move would have been, of course, to send the Vice President. What did, first of all, could you tell us? And, and maybe over a cup of coffee, you'd be more comfortable discussing it and not in this forum. But why do you think he didn't go? Like, what do you think was behind it? Well, the president moving is a, is a huge security operation. And when you have 40 heads of state, the president, and, and you see it during U.N. week, is, uh, is subject to a completely different uh, security arrangement. And uh, the decision to go or not to go is, uh, I think, we will have to wait till the books are written it clearly, it wasn't because there was some pressing business at home. And what to me is more astounding is that Holder, the attorney general, was there and didn't go. He went to Ferguson when he from Washington, but he didn't go while he was there. And he said he had some TV interview and he had to go back. And whatever, the president should have said to him, you're there, you're mm-hmm. going. So at least it doesn't have to be the president there. A high-ranking official uh, should have been there representing the United States, the ambassador, it's fine that she was there, but that's not the same thing as sending a message uh, to the French and to, to aside from the Jews that uh, of where America stands on this issue. Don't you think all sides would have been placated if the vice president would have gone? Absolutely. And I'm saying to you, I think it could have been even easier if Holder went. Right. The attorney general, who was there? He was in Paris, but did not go to the rally. Did not go, and and and. But you got to say, the administration has said it was a mistake, and they, I mean, obviously they regret it now. They, they, uh, you know, I'd say they reconsidered the position, but. Um, <laughs> Someone said to me, "You know that that's why they created vice presidents <laughs> to go to events like this." <laughs> well, they, right for some funerals, other things. <laughs> right, it really could have solved a lot of problems. The Israeli reaction. I mean, we alluded to this at the beginning of this part when you know you spoke about uh, the the um, cynicism that that Bibi and others are facing now because it's pre-election. But the Israeli press, I don't know, they 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 really piled it on him this week. Uh, the way he got onto a bus, the way he pushed forward during the the march itself. I mean, I don't know. Look, you know, I, I'm, obviously I'm uh, sometimes I have an affinity toward Bibi, so maybe it's difficult for me to criticize him in this situation. But don't you think they were a bit unfair this time around? You know that they, that somebody created a game uh, uh, and it has Bibi in a marching formation. <laughs> yeah, a likeness of it, a cartoon sort of esque uh, uh, depiction. Uh, and and you push BB through the lines. <laughs> I, I didn't hear anybody uh, talking about why Abbas was in the front row or or the president of Mali was in the front row. Right. Uh, I, I don't know that people were assigned places to march; just they lined up. Um, I, I mean, I just think you know because of again the, being the political season there. It's, uh, I wonder if any of this is going to have an effect on the election. I wonder if anybody... Uh, this will not have a long-term effect on the uh, on the election. It's, you know, two months is a lifetime in politics generally. In Israel, it's an eternity. And uh, we will see the numbers go up and down. That's why people ask me every time, okay, you know what says? You look at the numbers and, and uh, 
uh, Bougie Herzog is up to and he's down to or something, you have to look at who can form a coalition, who can get 61 votes. That's the key uh, number, so even if they get less seats. And secondly, those numbers will vacillate also, and, and uh, it's too early. Let people yeah. see... Uh, he went through that last time. Bibi didn't have the most votes last time, but he was he, given he for... He came in second, but right. he could present a right. credible coalition to... Uh, yeah, the people who think it's far-fetched, it just happened last election. Like, that could happen certainly again. Uh, uh, Robert Ejnes was with us from uh, from the uh, uh, Council of Jewish Organizations in France uh, this past Monday, just discussing the whole situation, obviously, and what he knew about the attack and this whole issue of Jews moving from France to Israel or wherever else they want to go, because he also emphasized that you know people are leaving France and going to the United States and other countries as well. But it's a very sensitive issue in France. I think a lot more than when people make Aliyah from here or decide to leave the United States. I don't think I don't know how many people in the U.S. care. It seems that uh, the French and French authorities take offense to all this talk about leaving the country. Does the Aliyah from France have to be handled a little bit, little bit more delicately? And I think it's also a question of timing. It's a question of how you present this. The French government, of Al's the prime minister, said France without Jews is not France, and that uh, there were many other statements made because of the sensitivity. And, and you don't at a time when the country feels under siege say, you don't belong there, this is not your home, and you're only reinforcing the message then to some extremists who then say, you see, we told you this is not, they are not loyal to France, this right. is not their place. Did Bibi fall into that trap? Did he say publicly to people? Well, earlier, in, not 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 while he was there, and he was misquoted uh. about his speech in the synagogue. He didn't say, tell people you should go. He said, you should be able to live in France in security, and if you decide, you always have a place in Israel, which mm. is a lot different than go move to Israel. hold on the people to leave and to, to, to go. But Think about it. If 25,000 people made Aliyah from, out of a population of 600,000, that's the equivalent of 250,000 Jews leaving America in a year. Right. It's big. So it is a significant number, yeah. and, and, and it's not only those 25,000 left, 100,000 more inquired, begun a process looking. Um, many French people have moved to more than 100,000 to England, not Jews generally, but also Jews. When in fact a lot of the the problem emanates from England, where you have these radical imams and and uh, uh, strong presence of of uh, Islamists as well. Yeah, it's funny. England is perceived as being safer for Jews, but I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, and, and a couple of articles online, uh, folks, you can find them online about uh, a French Jewish communities in Israel now, and as they continue to grow, of course. And I'm sure Malcolm, when you're in Jerusalem, you hear a lot more French being spoken, right? Absolutely, and in Miami, and in Netanya, especially anywhere near the water. The French love the new buildings near the water and, and buy them. They're partially responsible for some of the rise of the, the price in real estate, but not exclusively. And um, uh, I know many who, many of the people who didn't go on Aliyah necessarily have bought homes in Israel and are preparing over time to, they can't just walk away from their businesses and things. Tell us about the public statements that have been made by the leader of Egypt over the last week or two. I I am amazed at some of the things that he is saying publicly, and frankly, I, I'm sure he's, uh, I would assume he's uh, fearful for his life for the way that he's uh, speaking out against terrorism. Well, he seems to be pretty courageous, and frankly, when I met him a couple months ago, he made statements in this direction, not as strong as the, as the, uh, the presentation he made. 
about Islam needing to, to come to reform and Islam uh, having talked itself about the embarrassing position about how uh, uh, it is viewed around the world that the terrorism and I mean really a, a, a wholehearted round comment condemnation of uh, the extremists who have hijacked the religion essentially is what he said uh, he he has attracted new investment he's trying to fight he has tremendous battles people don't realize the the situation in libya uh where you have an open border of 1600 kilometers the same with sudan uh, sudan you have iran instigating you have them uh, well they are angry at him because his association with the west he has linked up with egypt egypt has linked up with saudi arabia the uae jordan and others for the mod in the moderate camp he certainly has been doing a job in the sinai working cooperating with israel Fully on the uh, on protecting the uh, against the Hamas and, and the area in the Gaza, but even more. So he has done uh, quite a few courageous things, and I know there are, we see American government others are critical of him because of the human rights issues, and those are legitimate. But we have to look at it in a much broader context, and that is true for other countries in the region with whom I met this week. And you hear only this this feeling of alienation because they're being beaten up over over human rights when they're fighting for their survival. Go back three years, Malcolm, literally this time of year, I think it was February, uh, the U.S., uh, it now looks in hindsight, they made a terrible mistake not supporting Mubarak during the Arab Spring. Agreed or not? That Well, it's, it's not a question just of supporting uh, Mubarak. We could have worked and, and we pressed them all along with moving. The problem is that we created an impression that we support the Muslim Brotherhood, that we favored the Muslim Brotherhood. Right, and if not... And, and, it will take a long time to undo that. The alien, the the anger in America, both amongst officials and amongst the people, is very pronounced. Yeah, but the, those who follow along Mubarak's political lines were the right choice at that time, right? Isn't that evident now from the way the population of Egypt is? Well, certainly preferable to to having the Muslim Brotherhood, right. who were behind the demonstrations and the, the whole idea of Arab Spring. Because remember, at that time, over, it was a wrong term, and it was misleading. It, you know, it's like the term Kristallnacht, the night of crystal. It wasn't right. a night of crystal. It was a night of murder. Because remember, three years ago, how so many were writing about how the U.S. abandoned Mubarak, and then they did, yes. and they did so so quickly. So I think and I remember when Mubarak talked to me about the West abandoning the Shah and saying, "You're going to pay the price." Right, and he was right. Yes, the United States and he and the President of the United States acted very quickly at that time. Financial aid, I, I believe, was stopped at that time. Am I right? I think there was a, or a threat of financial aid being stopped. And, and, and remember, we held up the helicopters to Egypt. We did provide it eventually. But now also I heard from people from Libya this week who, who are telling me, you know, we need helicopters. We need to fight. We're fighting against the, these terrorist organizations in Benghazi. Tripoli today is just total chaos. The country itself is in chaos, but there are pockets of where they're really attempting to, to create more stable regimes uh, and uh, they feel that we that not enough is done against the Sudan, where Iran is increasing its influence and presence and building defense systems so that it will be another Arab capital that falls to them without them having to, to send in troops and, and, and be responsible for the collection of garbage. They essentially become the dominant force, as they are in Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, Yemen today. And the, the exposures we saw this week about what is happening with the Houthis, uh, or Houthis as they're called, uh, and their increasing presence and the, the stabilized situation that obtains in, in Yemen today. 
Um, and by the way, uh, as evidenced by this conversation, because of the events of this week, uh, not even a mention of Iran, who continues to benefit from not being in the headlines. Good for you. Absolutely right. And, and I doubt that there are many people in public uh, media who this week took that recognition seriously when we see that they're building two new reactors, they're light water reactors, and the State Department said, well, that's not covered by the deal, that, you know, that's for peaceful purposes. It's like the Boucher reactor that Iran um, bought from Russia. These are also Russian-built and explains perhaps part of Russia's policy. Um, and But the very fact that we're saying it's okay, well, there should be a freeze now. This is a time of negotiations. That should be part of the of the process. We see that Kerry is meeting again with the foreign minister of of uh, Iran. The German foreign minister said, well, this is a real time, a prospect of, of some progress. Uh, uh, and in the meantime, we see that they are expanding their, their um, uh, nuclear activities. They're, they admit that they build a missile manufacturing plant in Syria. There's word even that they build, they're building a, a nuclear reactor near the Lebanese border, that the um, uh, that they are continuing to pour fortune into Iraq and into Syria and supporting uh, the activities, and, and it is all to extend their influence. Look how they built up Hezbollah uh, firepower, 100,000 missiles, but also now uh, many more sophisticated missiles, surface to sea, etc. Um, and uh, uh, all of this time, while the world is focused elsewhere, Iran continues to move ahead. Yeah, no question about that. I know we have a lot more to do, including the ICC and so many other things that are going on, and we'll, we'll try to continue and get to all of it next week. And uh, I remind you, oh, by the way, before I, I declare that uh, the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel, is there a direct threat? I, I'm not sure, based on what you said earlier with uh, New York, uh, the United States, etc. Is there a direct threat from ISIS to the U.S. now or not? Is their director? Absolutely. And which and they, they, which, which, which they they're going to go after the transportation hubs, other things. Is it just America? No. Canada, the West, the, they're doing it in Africa. Look at Boko Haram. But they have expressed this. But they've expressed the U.S. by name. Oh, absolutely. They train people for the U.S. This is a, we're, we're still the great devil. Europe is a minor devil, but they are taking it out on Europe, A, because it's easier to get in. They have bigger percentage of populations, areas to hide in France. Something I think we discussed eight nine years ago about these these ghettos that the that have been established where the police don't go and Jews and Christians can't live there. And more than a thousand in France today, and you can hide in there and you can uh, you know becomes a hotbed of activity because there's very little scrutiny that goes on of uh, of those areas. But two thousand people was estimated, or a thousand were killed in Baga in in Nigeria, not related to the Jews, not related to anything else and and it's they're christians they're being killed and you don't have any reaction who remembers the girls who remembers what's happening to the azidis all of these people this indifference that that is so rampant but we beat up the other countries that are trying to work with us because of alleged by you know that they're too tough on on the terrorists within their own borders or those who are potentially terrorists malcolm Several people have been taken hostage by an unknown gunman at a post office in northwest suburb of paris this just came through a couple of minutes ago. The gunman's armed with a Kalashnikov rifle, a gun, and numerous grenades. French radio reports he may be holding from two to five people hostages. They were seized at 12 noon Paris time when a man rushed into the post office with a weapon. So we see that this is... And the, but, you know, they can be copycatters. They, cannot, they don't necessarily have to be affiliated with a group. 
uh, they, they, you know, but, but the inspiration and that it becomes then the model and that young people are following this and, and whether when it was Mohammed Maro killed the children in Toulouse. And, and look at the reaction. It's not just the reaction of the West. Saudi Arabia is building a 600 mile great wall to protect itself from ISIS or, or along the border with uh, Iraq. They're building it along the border with Yemen. And I haven't heard people criticize the wall, yeah. but the uh, <laughs> the fact is that they all they all see the threat as well. All right, and we don't know what the reason is, of course, behind this. Could be it could be the hey, who knows uh, a, a variety of reasons, but obviously everyone will be paying careful attention to this latest the amount of weapons that are in their hands. Right. It's, the, it's the you know, you, and and each time you find something that triggered it. You know, when when we called the killer at Fort Hood. Uh, work workplace violence, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Y- you denude it of its significance, mm-hmm. and you you, you the best example of it. Re- the, the reality in that context, or the guy who hangs an ISIS flag outside of, or inside an Australian cafe, and everyone says he's an ins- he's an isolated lone gunman who's crazy. <laughs> I mean, come on, no influence from ISIS. Uh, future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel. Malcolm, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations.